We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. We're continuing our series in Daniel. Chapter 7, we're going to look at the beast of Daniel 7. Daniel chapter 7, verses 7 and 8. And after this I saw in night visions, and beheld a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible and strong exceedingly. And it had great iron teeth. It devoured and brake in pieces, and stamped the residue with the feet of it. And it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I considered the horns, and beheld, there came up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. Then, verses 19 through 21 then I would know the truth of the fourth, be- fourth beast, which was diverse from all the others, exceedingly dreadful, whose teeth were of iron and his nails of brass, which devoured and break in pieces and stamped the residue with his feet. And of the ten horns that were in his head, and of the other which came up before him, whom three fell, even that horn that had eyes and a mouth that spake very great things, whose look was more stout than his fellows, I beheld, and that same horn made war with the saints and prevailed against them. Until the Ancient of Days came, and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High, and the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. Thus he said, The fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon the earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, and shall tread it down and break it in pieces. And the ten horns out of this kingdom are ten kings that shall arise, and another shall arise after them, and he shall be diverse from the first, and he shall subdue three kings." And he shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times and laws. And they shall be given into his hand until a time, times, and dividing of time. But the judgment shall sit, and they shall take away his dominion, and consume and destroy it unto the end. And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall shall serve and obey him. I want you to notice the phrase in verse 7 after this. Daniel is referring to the earlier part of the vision. He saw three animals coming up out of the Mediterranean, and march across the stage of the earth one after another. The first was a lion, the second was a bear, the third was a leopard. They symbolized the history's three empires, Babylon, Persia, and Greece. The vision we just read introduces the fourth beast, described as dreadful and terrible, an empire in a class all by itself. The beast is dreadful, it's terrible, and it's exceedingly strong. 
The last part of verse 7 says, It was diverse from the other three which went before it. Verse 19 tells us it had claws of brass. In verse 7, the beast is characterized by his ferociousness. It devoured and broke in pieces and stamped the residue with his feet. It destroys the kingdoms of the earth. Verse 8 gives another characteristic of the beast. It has ten horns. Among the ten, there is another little horn. The little horn picks up three of the ten by their roots and devours them and took the place that they once held. The little horn had a mouth that spake great things. Verse 20, and of the ten horns that were in his head and of the other which came up before whom three fell, very great things. Even that horn that had eyes and a mouth that spake very great things, whose look was more stout than his fellows, a look more stout than others. Verse 21 tells us that war was made against the saints, and he prevailed. The interpretation of the vision. Daniel wanted to know the interpretation, and the interpretation came from Scripture. Verse 23, thus he said, the fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon the earth and shall be diverse from the other kingdoms and shall devour the whole earth and tread it down and break it in pieces. The kingdom is diverse from all others. How different was this kingdom? What makes it worse than the other kingdoms? We have to turn to Revelation 13 and 2 to find the answer. And the beast which I saw was likened to a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him power, and his seat in great authority. We have to remember the book of Revelation was written about things that were, things that are, and things that will be to come. And it's not chronologically laid out. There are some places, like in the talking of the churches in Revelations 2 and 3. These deal with future events that are going to occur. Yet, later books speak of things that are in the past, and they all speak of things that are present, and then things that are in the future. Like the seven churches, the seven churches existed during the time of the writing of the book of Revelation. But those same churches, church ages, they represent seven church ages, which still exist today. All seven church ages still exist in the church community today. So we have to understand, when you read the book of Revelation, am I reading about what was, what is, or what is to come? Daniel could not describe this fourth beast, but John could. It had all the attributes of the first three beasts. It contained all the evil attributes of the other three. As we are taking or thinking in the terms of the kingdoms, it is a kingdom worse than those that preceded it because it has the attributes of all three and shall devour the whole earth and shall tread it down and break it in pieces. This kingdom would have worldwide influence, at least influence in the then known world. In seeking the identity of this kingdom, this statement is helpful to us because we have 
Daniel chapter 2 is a portrayal of the fourth kingdom. The fourth kingdom is the Roman Empire, and it's symbolized by the legs of iron. In Revelation chapter 17, it offers an additional information concerning the beast of Revelation 13 and the beast of Daniel 7. Revelation 17 is written to the present to present to us the judgment of the great false church that will eventually swallow up all the religions of the world. The great false church, false church will rise because of its alliance with political powers at the time of its ascension. Let's look at the beast upon whom the, with, with, the, which, with its great whore rides. Chapter 17, verse 3. So he carried me away in the spirit unto the wilderness, and I saw a woman set upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. Verse 7 and 8. And the angel said unto me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carrieth her, which hath the seven heads and ten horns. The beast that thou sawest was and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit, and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder, whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, when they beheld the beast that was and is not, and yet is. What a conundrum. The Antichrist, who will be the last world leader, will be one who will die and be raised again from the dead. He imitates everything that Jesus Christ did. In verse 9, And here is the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman setteth. And the seven heads are hills upon the which the woman sitteth. We know that Rome sets on seven hills, but also Mecca sets on seven hills. Islam is the only theocratic religion left in the world. By that, what I mean is that the religion controls the political entity within the nations in which it rules. The whore and the false church has always, has almost by all Bible scholars, said to be the Roman Catholicism mainly because Rome sets on seven hills. While Mecca doesn't set on seven hills, it sets in the midst of seven hills. I've, also, I've always leaned toward believing that Islam is the great false church because of the theocratic bent of Islam and that Mecca sets among seven hills. Verse 18, and the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. The woman sets on seven hills, we are told, in verse 18. The caveat is in verse 10. And there are seven kings, five are fallen, one is, and the other yet to come. And when he dwelleth, he must continue a short space. Islam was born in 610 A.D. when Mohammed was 40. So the question, was God writing about the kings of the Roman Empire or one of them who was ruling in John's day? That, that would be Nero. There is one who is to come after Nero, 
and he will rule a short time. Let's go back to Daniel 7. The kingdom is ruled by a kingdom and a kingdom by ten kings at the same time. This presents a difficulty. There is nothing in history that correlates to that. We have another apparent problem in verse 8 because it tells us that there was a revolution among the ten kings. Someone never heard of before made an appearance among the kings and he gained territory of three of the kings. He then subjugated the other seven kings. There is nothing in history that correlates to that. If you go back to Daniel 2 and remember the picture of the image. The head was of gold, the breast and arms were of silver, the thigh was brass, the legs of iron, and the feet were mixture, feet and toes were a mixture of iron and clay. The head was identified as Babylon. The breast and arms were identified as the Mede and Persian Empire. The belly and thighs were that of Greece, and the legs of iron, Rome. We have no problem until we get to the feet. In the feet, there are ten toes. There is no time in history that Rome ruled over ten kings. So we can only conclude that this part of the prophecy in history has not yet been fulfilled. And the last part of the prophecy has, why the gap in history between the legs of iron and the feet mixed with iron and clay. How does do the ten horns correlate with the ten toes? There is a there is known in Bible prophecy called the Great Parenthesis. During this period, God stops the progress of world history. God deals with nations of the world only as they relate to his people, Israel. Most of Scripture especially the Old Testament, deals wholly with the nations that were associated with Israel. In the process of history, they are inconsequential. Why? Because they had no interaction with Israel. This is borne out in Scripture. In the triumphant entry in Matthew 21, this records what is called the triumphant entry, It's when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the governments, the religious leaders, the royalty didn't receive him. Jesus then told parables. In the parables, he stated that because the Jews had rejected him, in chapter 21, there's the parable of the two sons. In chapter 22, there's a parable of the wicked vineyard keeper and a parable of the wedding supper. These parables must be interpreted in the light of what Jesus meant to teach, not taken out of context for other lessons. The opportunity of Israel remaining the medium through which God would work would be taken away. God was going to use Gentiles for the propagation of his gospel. And Jesus taught these parables and pronounced the woes upon the Pharisees, which are recorded in Matthew 23. He left Jerusalem, and it was not an ordinary leaving. It was a prophetic leaving. 
I'm reading from Matthew 23, verses 34 through 36. Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them ye shall kill and crucify, and some of them ye shall scourge in your synagogues and prosecute them from city to city, that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth, from the blood of the righteous Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, son of Bacharias, whom ye slew between the temple and the altar. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how oft would I have gathered you, thy Gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chicks under her wings, and ye would not. Behold, your house is left desolate, for I say unto you, ye shall see me henceforth, ye shall not see me henceforth, till ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. These words were not idly spoken. They are not to be interpreted figuratively. Jesus turned his back on Israel that day when they refused to accept his Messiahship. In Luke, Jesus warns of the destruction of the temple. In Luke 21, verses 12 through 19, but before all these, before what? before the 11 previous verses that tell what will happen before Jesus returns. They shall lay their hands on you, speaking of Israel, and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and into prisons, being brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. And it shall turn to you for a testimony. Settle it therefore in your hearts, not to meditate before ye, what ye shall answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom, which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. And ye shall be betrayed by both parents and brethren and kinfolks and friends. And some of you shall they cause to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But there shall not a hair of your head perish, in your patience possess ye your souls. Everything I've read up to this point is history. He was talking to the early church. He said in Matthew 23, I will leave your house desolate. Let's turn to Luke chapter 21, verses 20 through 24. And when ye shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. Then let them which are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let them that are in the midst of it depart, and let them not, and let not them that are in the countries enter therein too. For these days be the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck. In those days, for there shall be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people. 
and they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Here Jesus speaks of the time of the Gentiles. This is a, the period of parenthesis. This is the period of time which none of the Old Testament prophets foresaw, which the Bible from the Old Testament almost totally escapes. Here Jesus speaks of the times of the Gentiles. This is the period that I spoke of of being the period of parentheses. In 70 A.D., Titus marched into Jerusalem. The Jews were scattered, and for over 1,800 years, any Jew was under the penalty of death of even returning to Palestine, let alone the city of Jerusalem. In 1948, the Belfort Treaty was assigned by the British, allowing the Jews to return to Palestine. From 70 A.D. until 1948 was the great parentheses. The news every day is broadcasting the fulfillment of prophecy. The ten horns will soon make their appearance. Israel is in their lands for the first time since 70 A.D. They now occupy Jerusalem. And in 67, they took control, 1967, which was the year of Jubilee, they took possession of Jerusalem. In 2017, our current president recognized Jerusalem as the capital of Israel and moved the American embassy to Jerusalem. Again, 2017 being a year of the Jubilee. I understand that the materials for the temple are already completed and they can be assembled in just a matter of days. The ten nations that will rule in the end are probably already forming, five in the east and five in the west. What nation comprised this alliance, we don't know. When the ten-nation empire is formed, something is going to happen that will be of real interest to the world. Notice it's the people who are in the earth. The beginning of the formation of the ten-nation empire may occur while the church is still here. I don't believe the church will be here for the activity of the little horn. The activity of the little horn is reserved for the last three and a half years of the tribulation. Then Jesus, speaking to the churches in Revelations 3.10, Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I will also keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. We are told the little horn, after he has put down the three kings and after he gains precedence over the remaining seven and becomes the eighth ruler or the first ruler of the world, as we are told of in Revelation 17, he then will begin to show his true colors. 
In Daniel 7.25, And he shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, to think to change the times and laws, and they shall be given into his hand until a time, times, and dividing of times. He will change time and laws. He will have a plan to change the calendar. He will change the law. He, like Antiochus before him, will offer a pig on the altar of God. Jewish scholars who have written on this passage believe the Antichrist will change the Jewish feast and their dates. The Antichrist will set himself up as God. He, like Nebuchadnezzar, did not allow the worship of any other god, and he will rule for three and a half years. But the judgment will sit, and they shall take away his dominion to consume and destroy it until the end. We will now look at the manner in which the Antichrist will be robed with his power, and Jesus will become all in all. For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather, and you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.